But when you start to realize that what you do is not necessarily coachable because that just works for you in that situation, yeah. you have to come at it from a different angle. And, and then when you're able to replicate those results, all of a sudden you start to realize, okay, I, I fully understand this and, mm-hmm. you know, and I can help a, a variety of people, you know, see success and so on. Because I came into district managing thinking it was going to be very reactive as in mm-hmm. they have a question, they call me, I got the answers. I've done this for six years, you know, but all of a sudden it was like, holy smokes, me just giving you the answer of what I did is not good enough to get you the results that you need to see. You know, I need to be proactive. I need to, you know, foresee what you're going to have to deal with those challenges, you know, how to set expectations from a different kind of point of view. Uh, and it was, again, just eye-opening for my own business, but then just understanding business in general. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Really, really excited about the guest I'm bringing on, the leaders of tomorrow. And it's Jordan Kipnis, who is the vice president of development at StudentWorks West. So StudentWorks uh, Management Program is the company that I own with my wife, the CEO, Helen Thompson. And um, StudentWorks West is an organization owned by Dan Cripps and Leon Brittnell. And Jordan is one of their vice presidents. And that organization and our organization have worked really, really powerfully together since that organization's inception in the early 90s because uh, they spun out of this, this business. Uh, Andrew Brittnell um, went west and, and, and created the business. And we've always worked really, really well together. We've always shared and learned from each other. And Jordan is just really up to something as a leader, um, just incredibly positive, incredible spirit. Um, and really, really about other people. So there is just so much value uh, in learning the lessons. And I think the lessons of mastery, he just has kept getting better and better and better. Um, You know, wisdom at a really, really young age and just incredible high performance, what he's done uh, in his life and, um, and what he's created for the leaders he's worked with uh, and the communities he's worked is really absolutely incredible. So I know you're going to love this uh, podcast. You know what I'm up up for is finding other really amazing leaders. You know, So it's not everybody. It's not all young people. It's young people who are really up to something, who really want to have big features, who, who want to learn what it's going to take to go and make a really amazing contribution in the world. So if you know someone, Send them to our website, studentworks.com. Shoot me an e- email at cthompson at studentworks.com. And, uh, or share, share this podcast and, or, you know, share, share, share the links we have to any of our podcasts. Thanks so much. Have an unbelievable day. Well, Jordan, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I'm super excited to have you. Um, and this is awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge, huge fan of the podcast. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. No, I'm. Uh, I know we've gotten to uh, know each other better over the last couple of years, which has been awesome. So I'm. I'm really excited to kind of just dig in. So uh, to to understanding you better. So tell me what you were like before our program, Jordan. 
Ah, before the program. It's been a while now. <laughs> mm. uh, I would say I was I was very similar in some ways. You know, I was definitely very interested in business, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at an early age and, you know, do little business ventures here and there with my younger brother and whatnot, uh, whether that was, you know, selling Pokemon cards or other random things in school and whatnot. Um, but I, I just definitely don't think I was as focused okay. as I, I am what's going on in the world and what I want in my life and everything. I just, I just knew at a young age that I, I liked money, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I saw what, what money could do. And I, I always worked a summer job. Right. So, you know, from, from 13 to 18, I worked at a summer camp, 40 hours a week from, you know, I used to bus and sky train, right. uh, you know, crazy at 13 years old in Vancouver. Uh, but I would bus and sky train for my $6 an hour job. And, uh, which is below minimum wage at the time, but that's the training wage. So I, I loved working. I loved what money could do for me. And, and, and that was kind of me at a young age. And, right. and then when, when, when I heard about the program, it just made sense that that would be like kind of the next step for me. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, did you see any frustrations that, that you were experiencing, you know, before the program or as a teenager, did you see anything before you got started in business? Yeah, I think that just personally, like a lot of things just seemed expensive you know mm-hmm. and i saw yeah. that it was it was it was it was hard you know i i would work my job and i'd you know eight hours a day i was making 48 dollars a day and eventually you know i worked up to to ten dollars an hour and i'd make two grand three grand in the summer and then when i wanted to go buy a computer or a stereo or i think the big biggest purchase for me when i was 17 18 is i wanted to buy a car yeah and you know my first car was six thousand dollars and i i only had two or three saved so yeah fortunately you know my aunt and and my grandparents lent me some money but it was just this this shock of oh my gosh like if i have to buy a house if i have to pay for university if i have to just do all these things like where is this money gonna come from and and it was it was a little depressing but scary at the same time yeah well there is really something to you know the whole thing about money and and certainly you know I don't really think I'm all that money focused. And on the other hand, there really is something to having money to be able to, like you said, do, oh, gee, I need a car or wow, I got to pay for school or, or, and, and these things are really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And especially for young people coming out of school in debt, you know, overwhelmed by the debt that they, that, that they have that just, just such a, such a challenge for their future, you know? So, so again, it's, Money's not everything, but it certainly is something, and it certainly does have a real impact on our lives if we can become, um, you know, investors early and become, you know, th- you know, think think uh, appropriately about our money and 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 have that gap between what we're earning and what we're living on. That's always a really great thing to focus on. For sure, and it, and it wasn't even like I didn't need a brand new twenty thousand dollar car. I just no a car, a car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. That's right. Something that could get me from point A to point B, and. Uh, I even remember my first car. It was, I think it was $6,000 and it was not, it was a 1993, you know, old little Mazda. And Mm -hmm. I think over the next kind of three or four years that I owned it, I put 10 to 12 grand into fixing it because it just kept breaking down. And, you know, and then it was just, I was, I would have been better off buying a more expensive car, but it was just frustrating to see that even some of the just almost basic necessities were just that expensive. Yes. And it was just that much of a frustration at a young age to, to earn, you know, a good wage. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you got started with student work. So, so tell us about, you know, that first year, tell us about that experience, that first year. 
For sure. Yeah, it was my first year of university and, uh, you know, a clipboard came around class. There was an announcement at the, the big, you know, uh, front of the, the auditorium. And right when they said the average person could earn, you know, kind of 17 to $20,000, I just thought that's incredible. You know, I'm here working away three, four grand a summer. That would be life changing. And so I, I went to the info sessions, applied, got the position. And then I was like super excited, but also nervous to to run my first business. And I was fortunate that I had a lot of friends that, uh, you know, I could hire in, in, in yeah. my first year that, you know, they all worked at kind of fast food chains and, and wanted to support me and, and get a different kind of experience and and work outside. And and it was good. I, you know, my first year, I I did just above the average um, okay. you know, in terms of sales. I was, you know, I think out of 150 operators, I was probably like 50th or so. So kind okay. of the top third. Okay. Yeah. But nothing, nothing, nothing spectacular. But, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about business in general, especially compared to what I was learning in university. Um, you know, first year university, you don't obviously dig too deep into business, but right. just that kind of hands-on experience with dealing with painters or, or employees and dealing with, you know, customers and my own time management, you know, I'm my own boss for the, the first time. And, you know, I, I don't have to go anywhere that I don't want to go, but I know that in order to succeed, I have to be there. Right. Um, so just kind of, you know, really learning that about yourself and, and, uh, it was, it was huge. So, you know, I, I earned, I think 20 to 22,000 bucks my first year. And I just thought, this is incredible. I can now pay for school. I, I started leasing a new car that was, you know, again, not a super fancy car, but just more economical, better on gas mm. uh, and just reliable. Yes. And, and I could cover my tuition and, and just, and I, and I, and I put some money away in savings and I just thought this is awesome. I can live, you know, within my means kind of thing. And yeah, and, and this is kind of where I see myself for the next you know number of years until I graduate. Okay. So, so one thing I heard you say is hiring your friends. So I know a lot of times, you know, there's this big debate, oh, should I hire my friends? Should I not hire my friends? So, so obviously you had some success hiring your friends. So, so why do you think you had success hiring your friends? What do you think you did differently than other people do so that that was successful? Yeah, that comes up every year. People are always, you know, interested to know if that's a good solution. And I'm not going to say that hiring your friends is the right thing to do, but it just so happened that my friend group was the right people or, you know, they were the right people. Yeah. Um, at the time, you know, one of my buddies had done some construction for his uncle, you know, for a number of years. So he was just a, a shoe in for a crew chief position. Right. You know, and a couple of my other friends were just, like I said, they worked that fast paced environment at, at the fast food restaurants and they just, you know, were all athletes and motivated and excited over that first summer, a few of them did kind of, it was a mutual like, hey, this isn't the best fit. And some of right. them did, you know, kind of either leave or it just made sense for them to not continue on. Um, but, you know, we still had a good relationship. But one of my friends, like the guy with the construction experience, he actually painted for me for six years. Wow. You know, it was just a very dependable, reliable person. And then as I continued with my business, more and more of my friends did come in um, and join the crew. But it was, again, those more of the mature friends, you know, not, you know, I had a, a large friend group or acquaintance group, Yeah, but definitely just the ones that were mature. I set proper expectations. You know, this is how I run the business. This is what I expect of you. These are the hours. This is how we get paid. These are the conversations we can have. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there was just that added level of trust because I knew their work history, you know, from before and I knew yeah. the types of people that they were. And it was just, it was amazing. It was a great experience to be able to spend time with my friends in the summer, but also be working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so what I hear you're saying is, is like, you know, 
one of the things I always like to say is, is you don't need to pay for, for friends. And so sometimes that's actually what, what, you know, young entrepreneurs will do is, is that they won't set expectations. They won't really say what's needed to be done. So it's like, they're, they're just making a really bad deal where, where instead it's like, no, this is what we need to do. And let's go have fun together. And Hey, I've, I've got to get this work done and we've got to get these things accomplished. Like, you know, so it's just, it's just being really straight with people, I think. And it's really, really, it makes all the difference. You know, when you can do that and then you get the benefit of working with people you really enjoy, you know, so, so it really can be something powerful. But like you said, you've got to make sure that, you know, you're willing to be assertive and express yourself and, and, you know, and maybe there's some people you just can't recruit because, well, first of all, you already know that they may not work out, but you know, again, if your friend is more important than your business, then don't hire them in the business. Exactly. Because that's, you know, just like that. Okay. There's just nothing that could go around with this friend. So that then we can't work together. Mm-hmm. This would be my thinking. Yeah. So I, I know you've, you worked for a number of years in the business. So like, I, I, cause I know you sent me this, this, uh, this, this list. Cause you, you went to school, I guess you had, you know, five, five years as a, as a full-time student. You know, how did you see those years and looking through what you learned and what you gained and, and how you how you saw yourself, you know, at that time, Jordan? Yeah, when I went to school, you know, I went to school for business. Originally, I wanted mm-hmm. to be an accountant. And then after okay. one season of, of, of this, I thought, you know, entrepreneurship is, is where I need to be. Right. Uh, my my district manager at the time had a degree in entrepreneurship. And I just thought, you know, I I don't want to really work an office job. I love this. It's just managing of people and, and just being involved in people's lives. and and the amount of money of you know the whole kind of results economy of earning what you're worth type thing and not right. being paid a wage. So that was super exciting. So uh, through university, I, I definitely was able to apply a lot of the concepts that I was learning in the classroom to my business. Right. Uh, but then also on the reverse, I really got to understand the concepts in classes uh, because I had, you know, firsthand experience of, of seeing them, you know, in, in real life. And, and it was just very easy to kind of see where, where things would fit in or how certain situations in my business had unraveled and how that was actually, you know, a concept that we were then going to learn in a future class and why that was. Um, So it was, it was actually very easy to, to get, you know, pretty decent grades in, in, in class, you know, and then have great conversations with the professors because I had this, you know, firsthand experience uh, managing people and, and everything. So, you know, classes like HR and organizational behavior and strategy leadership, all these things were just so, you know, you had this firsthand experience by running the business. Uh, so it, it, they definitely went hand in hand. Right. But I definitely felt like the, the the information I was learning from doing student works was just so much more easily like applicable uh, right. and easier to consume, you know, whereas a lot of the classroom stuff was just big theory for, for large corporations. And just, you know, if, if you were the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, you know, what would you, it's like, I'm never going to be the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. Who cares what I think, right? So they weren't actionable steps um, compared right. to what you, you know, you learn from running a small business. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and, and really as well, I know one, one, one thing that we, or I, I, I really think firmly about the world is, is first of all, all those concepts and the reading and the learning is really, really great and really powerful. And, and again, behind me, lots of books and reading lots of books. And But ultimately, it matters nothing unless out on the field, I got something done. Out on the field, and that's where you learn in the conversation and then the 
client interaction and the conflict management. And that's where we really go and take that learning and put it into action. And then all of a sudden we get better. We're reaching mastery. You know, that's kind of one of the things. So, so over those six years of running your business, uh, you know, a bunch of them re- really in full, full-time school, you know, did you feel like you were getting better and better at your craft? How did you look at, look at what you were doing? What kept you motivated? You know, that sort of thing, you know, as you were going through that. Yeah, no, I, uh, for me, I mean, the main thing was that it was just the consistency, you know, I got to really practice. Like I realized from my first year to my second year, my second year, I I didn't have to put in nearly as much effort and was Mm -hmm. able to grow the business, you know, to my third year, it it felt like even less effort. And then the business grew again. um, And I was able to just really fine tune and tweak, you know, these are the workers I want to hire. I don't need to, you know, I don't need the fluff, right? You know, these are the customers I want to work with. These are the expectations I need to set with customers. And it just became putting in, you know, less effort to get more results, more profit. Um, and essentially, you know, for me, it was a tool and a vehicle to pay for university, right? So pay for, I was able to purchase a home while I was in university. I had invested in some stocks and whatnot. Um, so I got to just do a little bit more and feel more comfortable. Um, because I definitely had a little, you know, not freak out, but I, I was, you know, financial kind of independence and financial freedom was something that I just had kind of aspired to, to have. And, and, you know, because I had friends that were incurring a lot of debt. Right. And I knew that my parents weren't going to help me with university. And, you know, they gave me a place to stay, which obviously saved me a lot of money. But, you know, they were kind of like, hey, like, fend for yourself, get loans if you need to. And, you know, right. so there was just this extra kind of drive. It was like, no, I, I have to make this work. But I didn't, you know, really realize that until I went year after year after year that it was just very easy in a sense to just, you know, really tweak because it's the same season. It's the same, you know, cyclical business that happens year in, year out, right? So all of a sudden, it's just these are the same kind of challenges and and whatnot. So every year I'd be faced with maybe a few new challenges, but then by year four, by year five, year six, it's like I've almost seen everything Right. that it's just, I'm not phased, you know, and it's just very natural. And, and I could easily be, you know, confident in running my business, but also then kind of be able to focus on my studies in those kind of like later years, um, you know, to, to perform well in school at the same time. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. And so, you know, as you were going to school, finishing a really good degree, you're, you're actually building equity. That really is different, right? Like that's not what most university students are, are, are continuously going into more and more debt. So you're, you're going through that process, you're doing it easier, you're doing it better, you're getting your, it's, it sounds to me like as well, Jordan, you're like kind of developing a philosophy of your business, you know, do's and don't do's, you know, do's mm-hmm. and don't do's with clients, with, with, with your uh, staff to really figure out. So then you had the opportunity and, you know, you had the opportunity to be a mini district manager. So why don't you describe that role? So I guess for a couple of seasons, you're a mini district manager. What did that do? Yeah. So for year seven and eight, I got to, you know, continue running my business in my area, but then I I was in charge of, you know, helping and coaching uh, between four and six uh, different students Mm -hmm. that were doing the same thing. Uh, And that was kind of a dream, you know, after meeting my first district manager, I I really wanted to to consider that district manager role. I just thought, you know, what he got to do for people was just so neat and so cool. And, you know, working again at that summer camp for for many years with four to eight year olds, I I really enjoyed, you know, being able to teach them games and and play, Mm -hmm. you know, with them and and kind of help them with things. And, And I used to tutor as well. Um, as a kind of a part-time thing. So I, I really loved helping people and coaching them. So when I got to district manage, uh, it was 
you know, a fantastic kind of opportunity, but it actually, I didn't realize at the time it taught me so much more about my own business because all of a sudden yeah, some of the challenges that these other operators were seeing were things that I never saw in my business because I just had naturally maybe avoided those things, but didn't realize I was avoiding those things. So mm. I got to learn, you know, about new challenges and new problems that I hadn't faced. Uh, and I also was then also forced to become better at organization and time management within my own business because these operators were actually um, on Vancouver Island. So I used to, I had to take a ferry, you know, for an hour and a half to two hours over there, visit with them and then come back. So all of a sudden I was now essentially removed from my business for two to three or four days at a time, which had never been done before. So yeah. again, learning new skills and, and how to delegate and empower people to kind of run parts of my business while I was away. Uh, so it just naturally forced me to be better, but, but things that I would never would have been, you know, having to deal with ever, you know, prior for the first six years. So it was really, really fascinating. No, for sure. It's, it, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we've seen in our business is when people become district managers or mini district managers, it's all of a sudden you're just raised up, you know, you just start to see things from a different level. Oh my gosh, why did I do it that way? You know, like I remember, you know, in my third summer, you know, I, I had a really, really big business. Well, why didn't I consider recruiting a production manager and driving paint all over the city all of all the time? And and that I hated, I don't know, but I never considered that, you know, and, and so, so, you know, and no wonder why I wanted to get out of that role because I really didn't like that. But it's like, all of a sudden you start thinking more strategically about your business, right? And uh, more awareness about, you know, the limitations to your business because you see it in other people's businesses. Isn't it, isn't it powerful? For sure. And, and, and it again, forces you to buy into the systems, mm -hmm. you know, more because the systems are always up for interpretation. But when you start to realize that what you do is not necessarily coachable because that just works for you in that situation, yeah. you have to come at it from a different angle. And, and then when you're able to replicate those results, all of a sudden you start to realize, okay, I fully understand this. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I can help a, a variety of people, you know, see success and so on, because I came into district managing thinking it was going to be very reactive as in mm -hmm. they have a question, they call me, I got the answers. I've done this for six years, you know, but all of a sudden it was like, holy smokes, me just giving you the answer of what I did is not good enough to get you the results that you need to see. You know, I need to be proactive. I need to, you know, foresee what you're going to have to deal with this challenges, you know, how to set expectations from a different kind of point of view. Uh, and it was, again, just eye-opening for my own business, but then just understanding business in general. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then, you know, what did you see in terms of moving from a district manager to all of a sudden a full-time district manager? What changed in how you saw the business? What changed in in how you were looking at it? Yeah, I think when I, when I was a mini district manager, I always kind of, it was almost like not fully committing in the sense that I, I had kind of like one foot in, one foot out, because I knew if, if my franchisees didn't perform, my business could still perform. Right. But the second I became a full-time district manager, it was kind of, you know, a do, do or die situation. It's like, I got to, I got to coach everyone and they, they really got to understand what they're doing. And I'm, you know, kind of full, full fledged and, and fully into this. Right. And, and that year was, a huge eye-opening experience. I worked with 23 people. I had 15 first-year operators and it was, you know, they were scattered all over British Columbia. So it was just 
so much more time management. My phone had never rang so much in my life, <laughs> you know, just because just communicating with 23 people just, you know, on a, on a 30 minute meeting on a Monday, you know, it, it goes into Tuesday, right? It, it's yeah. literally, you know, about 12 to 13 hours of phone calls just to touch base with everyone and then go visit them in the field and, and then deal with their payrolls and deal with everything. So it was, it was so much work compared compared to how easy my business had been in year four, five, six, seven, and eight, where I just had such a handle of, of running my own business. Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm helping 23 people run their businesses. And again, they're facing new challenges that I've never seen. We're in different regions that, that you know have different types of homes and projects that I've never had to deal with you know, from renting different safety equipment or dealing with different types of products, um, you know, different types of people. So it was just, again, a, a massive learning experience. Um, and I really got to kind of fine tune those systems uh, and my approach to dealing with people in advance to just kind of uh, avoid a lot of those, you know, challenges that they were going to face. No kidding. No kidding. And so, and then we're, I, I'm just going to group them. Like basically in year 2017, 18 and 19, you managed between 25 and 28 franchisees, largely with like you know, 15 to 18 vets. So really eight to 10 rookies. And you, you averaged, sorry. Yeah. You basically were between 2.9 and $3.9 million worth of business, like just unbelievable impact. Um, they must love you, Jordan. Like, you know, just, you know, you, you had 20, 30, you know, over 40 of them that made, made Mexico trips and, and obviously must've made enormous amounts of money. So you know, you, you really, really have just cured it, you know, during that period of just being a fantastic district manager. So what do you think makes it so that you're a fantastic district manager? And again, or maybe not saying you're delivering really great value as a district manager. Why don't we phrase it that way? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, thank you for that. But I, I yeah. think, you know, part of it, I think, is is is, is that in a sense, I've been talking about this recently with some people, but it's almost a sense of laziness where I knew how busy I was with 23 people and 15 rookies that I just said, I need to deliver excellent value so that all these people come back and that they're easier to work with, you know, moving forward. So it's almost <laughs> a little selfish where it's, right. I'm going to give them everything I can so that they are just amazing and, and don't deal with challenges that might, you know, make them feel not incredible or you know i want them to earn excellent money so that they just see what i experienced and they want to come back you know for themselves and all of a sudden i, I just was able to form and build great relationships with people that really saw the value of of what they could get and accomplish here the money obviously helps them you know it, it, it deters them from looking at maybe other jobs because it's just unbelievable what they can earn here um the skills you know the transparency i think people enjoy working with others that are just that dedicated to helping them succeed. And, and that was it. Right. I mean, I, I was working probably anywhere from 80 to a hundred hours a week, always on call, um, always out in the field, you know, till the end of the summer, I didn't take really much time off whatsoever, but, right. but that impact worked, you know, and that's where I had people stick around for three, four, five years, just like my painters, right. It just became right. easier to have these people. And then these people, were then in, in areas where they could help me assist the other rookies, you know, because they've built relationships and there's just, you know, these phenomenal groups of people that have connected and are still friends to this date, even after they leave. And I, I love kind of helping foster those relationships. So 
that's kind of where it stemmed from because once I had these great operators who were bought in, felt that they could trust the systems, trust me, they were seeing success, all of a sudden, you know, their siblings wanted to do this, their employees right. wanted to be a part of this and do this, their friends wanted to be a part of this. So, you know, I just knew that if I could give it my all, recruiting in the future, you know, would be easier for me. Um, you know, working with fewer first year operators would be easier for me. I could help these people grow their business instead of teaching them the basics all the time. And it just naturally, you know, was kind of this long-term vision of, you know, Hey, if I stick this out, this kind of like five-year plan for sure, is going to be so worth it, you know, and it's going to then again, be that cyclical kind of repeat, uh, where we're always going to have great people. We're always going to have senior operators. We're always going to just, you know, keep doing it. And then again, as I worked with more and more and more people, and as like these extra like millions and millions and millions of dollars were coming in, I was learning more about, again, new challenges, new problems. And, you know, I think one, one thing that was really neat is as I grew the business, fewer and fewer, you know, the least amount of office complaints that would come in and the least amount of challenges with painters, because I was able to foresee everything yeah. and really help people set expectations. So it was just very smooth for them. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome. Like, you know, and, and I know, um, it sounds to me like so much of your activities were in the quadrant two column of Stephen Covey's book, you know, really important, not urgent. I'm just going to do the really, really important stuff. I'm going to focus again on delivering tremendous value to my franchisees, and then they're going to return. And then they're going to want to provide value because they want to learn and they want to grow. And then they're going to bring their friends in. Because I know as well, you used to, you know, or and still do recruit an enormous number of people who are just referrals for their program. Mm -hmm. So, and they just totally see the business differently. And really what referrals are, are just raving fans. So mm -hmm. if any business person, you know, everybody's listening from a different perspective. So it's having people who are just raving fans already of the business because they're friends of somebody and they say, oh, this is totally going to work. It's a totally different environment, isn't it? For sure. To how they, how they see, you know, uh, but, but one thing as well, I wanted to sort of, you know, sort of again, well, I guess just thank you uh, on our podcast is I know you came to our senior team last summer and just shared about how you work with your teams, you know, and what you do during the course of a summer to really make a difference. And again, I know, again, people are, are listening to the context of this from all sorts of different perspectives. Some are, are, are in home services business. A bunch of people are just listening. So how do you look at serving your, your customers, your, your, your franchisees and making a real difference for them? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's very, you know, I want them to, especially in this industry, right. You know, right now they're running a painting business, but the, the lessons I'm trying to teach them go beyond that. It's just business. Right. It's, it's really teaching them how to, I think think long term, even though they are in this maybe just for a summer or a couple summers. You know, yeah. I want them to see the value, and especially now for me, you know, 14 years later, it's it's easy for me to see all that kind of value of of fostering and building excellent relationships and how that can in turn really help you in the future. So, you know, I really try to help them avoid the short term gain and see that kind of long term of you know, hey, if a customer doesn't decide to use you today that's okay. We don't need to burn bridges. You know, let's just be as accommodating and amazing as possible because you never know when down the road, that person might be hiring for a future job. They might have a neighbor that needs to use your services. They might have a, a, a kid that, you know, wants to work for you. You know, maybe they can help market your business. Like there's just so many things you can't get just caught up in the day-to-day the -day of, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't book a job with a client. Um, and same as, you know, with a painter, it's like, hey, or an employee, 
It's not, oh yeah, you're just my, you're my employee. You're my grunt. I own you for four <laughs> months. You know, like yep. that's not the vision. It's, hey, you have a role to play. I have a role to play. Your role involves this. Mine is this. If you see me helping you with yours, that means I'm taken away from what I need to be doing, right? So right. just because I'm in this role doesn't mean that I'm better than you or it, we're just, just, we have different roles to play, but we all have to play our roles. So just yeah. really, you know, trying to help them see um, just the potential, you know, of, of, mm-hmm. just, of, of just treating people well, regardless of what that is. And, and, and as they do that, whatever business you're in, that will just, you know, return in, in favor, right? Like that will just come right back to you tenfold and it'll be awesome. Right. You know, yeah. that kind of long-term thinking is, is super important. Yeah, no, I think I, I, it, it, it is, it is, it just makes such a difference when we're really, again, playing the long game always, right? Like, you know, uh, and so, so I know recently you've been promoted, uh, you know, congratulations, um, as you're now the vice president of development. So how do you see your role now? And what do you see differently that you and Corey and Dan are, are looking to create out West? Yeah, it, it's fantastic now that I get to be, you know, one of two vice presidents. So now that mm. there's the two of us, you know, I still work with, you know, 10, 10 to 11 franchisees, um, as does Corey, the other vice president, you know, with that, with a handful of franchisees. Um, right. So we still, you know, are able to kind of see the systems that we're implementing in, in action. You know, it would, it would be not, you know, as ideal to, to not work with people because we want to see how they're adapting to things and what the market looks like. But right now that I work with fewer people, um, it opens up more time to work on the business yeah. as well as with the other district manager team that are coaching, right? So, you know, a lot of the things that I was able to implement with just my team of 20 to 30 franchisees, I'm now able to kind of share those those skills and some of those trainings and some of that knowledge with the district manager team, which then in turn helps, you know, all 140 franchisees, right? So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth because of that, um, you know, because we're able to just share more knowledge as well as have more support. So now when the district managers need help, they don't just have one vice president or, or, or Dan, you know, as, as the president, they have two of us, right? So we're able to kind of spread out and, and, and have more field visits, um, you know, there's more, uh, we're more available to the the operators. We were able to bring on another district manager because, you know, my load was kind of split. Um, so we're just, again, there's just more support for everyone. Right. And it's been working, working really well for us. Yeah. Well, I, I know, uh, I guess, what are we talking about? We're February 23rd. You just, you guys just had your, an enormous week. So just mm-hmm. more and more enormous weeks, I'm sure to come. And, and, you know, congratulations. And, and certainly I know our company, we just love to work and share back and forth. And, you know, again, this is kind of a, a best practice, you know, yes, we share the same trademarks. We are two separate companies, but it's smart organizations find ways to work together, you know, and one great strategy is to look at other organizations that do what you do in other markets to go and say, Hey, why don't we share? And here, I can tell you this, you can tell me that, and it just helps both of us. And it really is a really great strategy and uh, something something for our you know young leaders to really keep that in mind. Uh, you know, just again, working, collaborating, especially across marketplaces. For sure. You know, and and I know I know some of the things that I wanted to spend some time on. I just I I love I love hearing about anything else you wanted to share about Student Works before I jump to some of the other neat things that you've been involved with. Not nothing, you know, jumps to mind other than obviously, you know, for me, it's been, it's been life-changing, you know, it was Mm -hmm. something that I had no idea my first day of school signing my name down would, you know, be this crazy of a, of a roller coaster, but it's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's ever changing and ever growing and just so much fun to be a part of. 
No, that's awesome. Awesome. And I can just always tell, you know, just again, all the times we connect, you're just really loving what you do. And it just makes such a difference when you love what you do. So, you know, I know, I know, you know, uh, one, one thing that didn't go well, I know we love to talk about mistakes. One thing that didn't go well was, was, was Menchie. So, you know, and, and an investment in Menchie. So maybe you can share with, you know, what happened and what lessons you took out of that, that experience. For sure. Yeah. It was uh, a number of years ago now, about probably five years, five, six years ago is when we started. Uh, we've been up for two, two years ish, but um, mm-hmm. essentially it was a good friend of mine who who also did student works for three years right. he was actually one of my painters and then became a franchisee uh, made mexico we got to hang out in mexico a lot and he was he was a great guy uh still is a great guy yeah and uh you know he got this idea because he used to work at dairy queen yeah and and just thought hey i know franchising i know you know kind of the that market i'd love to you know frozen yogurt was kind of booming and, and it started in 08 and you know kind of that t- 2012 2013 2014 it was it was just blowing up and he thought there'd be a great idea to you know buy another franchise and and kind of run it because he just right. had seen success in student works but knew that it wasn't maybe going to be a, a long-term play for him forever yeah and thought hey i could own these these businesses so he he bought one with his uh fiance now but girlfriend at the time and then he bought a second location, needed some help with the financing. And because he knew, you know, just my work ethic and my family, uh, they, my parents own a business as well. Uh, so he said, hey, how would you guys like to buy in, you know, and, and, and kind of own a third of this Menchie's location in where, where I lived? So we right. thought, fantastic. Everyone yeah. told us it would be amazing. We talked to so many different business owners, so many different people that, you know, were in franchising and they thought, oh, the location is amazing. The business is amazing. This is just a, a slam dunk. Right. And, you know, we opened. It was okay at the beginning. Then, you know, the winter came, which we knew would be slow and it was slower than we could have ever imagined. Right. <laughs> Horrible days, bleeding money left, right and center. You know, our, our first year, I think we had about a fifty or sixty thousand dollar loss. It was, you know, about four four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars to build out the store. Um, you know, because that's the difference. You know, and I was really excited to learn about a different business model. Right. Um, you know, as opposed to running a business from home and having very low overhead, but having it really results driven and, and kind of effort driven. I thought it'd be neat to diversify have a, a physical location, you know, have it in a great location, have people come in, have a cool space to hang out with friends and offer people great service. Uh, but that did not happen. <laughs> we, right. <laughs> uh, you know, lost a lot of money the first year, but we thought, Hey, first year of business that that happens, right. That's okay. Yes. We're in this for the long haul. We're not, you know, we don't need to be here making money in year one. And this is like a 10, 20 year investment. No big deal. Um, but year two, we lost again another fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars just to stay afloat. So we were, you know, injecting money into the business to keep the doors open, to keep our employees paid, to you know, to still give it a, our, our best effort. But after that year, we started to notice that you know almost half the locations in Canada were all shutting down. Wow. Other frozen yogurt businesses were shutting down, and we started to realize that this is more of just a, a fad that's fizzling out and not anything that we could maybe really fix. Um, because that's one of the differences with with that kind of a business model is that it's not effort driven. I can't just go knock on doors and tell people to buy five dollar cups of yogurt. You know, <laughs> that's I, right. I, it just doesn't physically make sense or feasibly make sense. So we ended up having to shut it down after two and a half years. And 
you know, break our lease and 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 pay a quitting fee to you know end yeah. the contract with the with the franchisor, and you know it got ugly, and we lost a lot, and my friend had to close down his other location, so he lost a ton, um, and it was just you know, um, in essence, a failure. But I learned so much from it, and, and I, I don't really see it as a failure because I, I feel like that helped me grow so much in my kind of coaching in student works, just because of the understanding of another business of another franchise model, you know, when people say, Oh, well, you know, the, the, the royalty in, in a, in a retail location is so low and it's like, well, yeah, but what do you get for it? Right. And right. You, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what you're paying if you're not making any money. Right. So at the end of the day, it just gave me so much leverage to really, you know, spin situations for my franchisees to really kind of understand that, you know, if you lose money on one job, that's okay. You know, if yeah. you, you know, think that this is a bad thing, well, this is a really bad thing, right? So, you know, yeah. it was uh, very eye-opening in, in that sense. Yeah, I know. And it's it, it's one of those things where I know I have not had an, an experience like that. And certainly one of the things I love about our business is there's just levers you can push and pull. And that it feels like to me, there are some businesses where, you know, you ask them, well, where do you get the business from? I'm not really sure, you know, or, well, how do you, you know, how do you, how are you going to grow? I'm not really sure. Well, it just, just seems to come to us. That frightens me, you know, like, you know, just, just, it's really, really great to have a real handle on your business. What things that can we do that will make an impact? And then, because we know I can do those things and then I can train others to do those things so I can have an impact and run a successful business. So, you know, any other, any other lessons that you took from your experience with Menchie's? Because Menchie's still, still is around there. there. Yeah. Still a few. Yeah. Even when we shut ours down, there was a new one, you know, 40 minutes away that opened up again. And, you know, and, and sometimes it's just business owners that aren't maybe fully prepared or aware of the situation, which is unfortunate. Um, right. And obviously with the kind of pandemic going on in a sense that it would be very difficult. You know, really oh my gosh. Challenging for, for some of those locations um, yes. because they're just encouraging people to stay home. So, yeah. But, but with food delivery apps growing, you know, that was one thing that we got to jump on right away was skip the dishes and those kinds of things. So people could actually order it. Um, I don't know why, because it melts by the time it gets to your house. So, right. not, you know, the, the best purchase, but some people didn't want to get, you know, dressed and come to our store. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of funny, but um, yeah, I think I definitely learned a lot um, with regards to the commitment to owning a retail location, you know, and, and right. then like a, you know, we had a 10 year lease, you know, it was $9,000 a month. So it's kind wow. of like, you know, you're going, you're going all in, it was a prime location, um, you know, so building it out, it, it just the difference for, you know, of, of understanding that versus kind of like a very low overhead type of business, you know, it was uh, really fascinating, but we, you know, we just saw it as this could be very passive, very hands-off, you know, two employees, yep. it's self-serve and, you know, we'll make a little bit of money every year. We'll grow the business one day. We'll sell it. No big deal. Yeah. You know, so I think it really just puts some extra emphasis on us really understanding the difference between, yeah, like an effort driven business. And, and especially for, for me, for, for my friend, um, you know, my parents, like we, we just, we are go-getters. We like working yeah. hard, you know, so it was neat to have it, but clearly it, it wasn't going to use our, our kind of strengths. Right. Yeah. So we got to learn a lot about ourselves in that way. And it's also interesting as well, you know, sort of, is my business a fad? Is my business perhaps, you know, booming up and maybe going to go down? 
right? Because that's actually but what it looked like is it's gone up and it's gone down. And again, not that frozen yogurt's not a good thing. And maybe it was just too much market share, too many competitors. And then all of a sudden it just can't afford to pay that type of a monthly impact, monthly, exactly. monthly rent and overhead, et cetera, to sell enough, enough frozen yogurt to make money. So, so yeah, no, it's, it, it really is fascinating. And, and again, it, it, these things happen to entrepreneurs and then it's how we take it. What do we learn from it? How do we move forward? I know you're also, cause I see on the internet, you're, you're in bespoke suits, um, so tell us, tell us about that, you know, that opportunity and how's, how, how's that come about and how's that, that business going for you, Jordan? Yeah. So that's a, another business that I kind of jumped in on and that was with, um, one of my, uh, former franchisees. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he did student works a number of years back and, and then, uh, is actually just graduating this year from university. So kind of a, still, a early stages of the business. Cause it's a bit of a part-time en endeavor for him while he graduates. Okay. But essentially we decided to, you know, take a, a different approach to suiting, which is an, and custom clothing for predominantly men, but we do women's clothing as well. Okay. They just have a lot more options than, than yes. us, you know, our, our clothes are a lot more boring than, than women's, but yeah, essentially we decided to kind of take the service-based approach because we know that there's a lot of value and, and people put a lot of emphasis in a service-based business as opposed right. to a commodity. And essentially what we do is we don't have a storefront and we, 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 people book appointments, we come to their home, we bring all the different fabrics, we do kind of all the, the, the measuring and, and, and we help people customize and, and design their own clothes, you know, from, right. from full on suits to, to dress shirts and, and, and so on. Um, so it's, and, and coats and, and all these different things. So it's all custom. It's then, you know, four weeks later, hand delivered to you, you know, everything fits perfectly the way that you want it, the way it's designed. And we thought that this would be a neat approach just because retail is expensive. Yes. Retail is dying. We don't want to go through the same process with Menchies and owning a retail physical location. And because of that, we're able to keep our costs very low, really low. you know, and yeah. very competitive, even though we're not at the bulk discounts, you know, and, and, and kind of the scale that other stores might be at, but because we just have very low overhead, we're able to deliver even better service, but still charge, you know, at a very fair and accurate kind of price. So it's a, it's a very unique and, and interesting situation where we're only doing it in Vancouver for the moment. Um, we've traveled to a few places and people have traveled to us to get clothing made. But again, with the pandemic, that really put a damper uh, mm -hmm. on our business because, People aren't going into offices. <laughs> yes. They don't need dress clothes. Yeah. A lot of weddings, weddings and events are canceled. Yeah. Grads are canceled. Uh, so, you know, we uh, have had to pivot a little, you know, so okay. our, our kind of our best selling um, dress shirt, which is incredibly, you know, stretchy, comfortable, just very fun and nice to wear. We've made that now in just kind of like a off the rack sizes of small, medium and large. And we're going to launch that very soon and ship that, you know, across Canada um, to right. people so that they can at least kind of get involved with one piece until we eventually scale to, to multiple cities and have reps in each city to be able to kind of provide um, the in-person kind of measuring and, and kind right. of experience. Oh. It sounds exciting. I know I, 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 it, you know, it certainly sounds like a winning concept and it's all in the details about, you know, how do we market? How do we reach people effectively? And then, like you said, how do we, you know, provide that service? And certainly there's no question as well where it's, there's no excuses in terms of the pandemic. No, mm -hmm. there are reasons. This is just yeah. happening. 
you know, again, I, you know, I, I, I have a nice suit collection and all I've done is worn it in front of some zoom meetings. So, oh, yeah. you know, so, so I don't feel really compelled to go, uh, and buy, um, buy another suit, you know, and I'm sure outside when the pandemic ends that I will feel that, oh, great, you know, let's go do that. You know, so I think there's a, there's, there's actually, I think an enormous amount of spending, especially in certain industries and, you know, that, that, that are kind of just people are holding on to waiting, you know, until, until this ends, until we can move forward. So, uh, so, you know, being patient because, because it, this is obviously a, crazy, crazy situation and, 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 you know, needs to, you know, have different strategies to deal with it. For sure. And I mean, what's really neat is we knew the concept, you know, would be different, you know, and have a different approach because like I said, we're able to provide better quality products at a, at the same rate as what you'd find in a store because we don't have mm-hmm. that, you know, location, but with excellent service and, you know, and, and, and so on. So we can kind of spend the extras on the, on the stuff as opposed to a location. But what we're finding is what we're fortunate about is that both of us, you know, he's in school, I'm doing student works, you know, we're not desperate for this to be a massive success at the moment. But what we're seeing yeah. is that a lot of our competition, a lot of retailers are closing their doors. Because yes. they can't afford, you know, so, you know, it's just, it is, a, it's just a patience game. Um, and, you know, in a year or in two years, you know, we can really kind of, kind of ramp this up just because it'll be a very different marketplace. No question. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. You know, just, just, there's going to, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people who have lost their businesses mm-hmm. and for the people who can, like you said, patiently wait it out, you know, have other side incomes, other, you know, uh, focuses, uh, that's a huge advantage for sure. So, yeah, no. And, 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 and certainly, you know, one of the things as well that I always look at life is, is timing matters a whole bunch, you know, and you had a business gone out and made a big investment right before the pandemic and that business not be well situated, that would be a huge, huge problem. You know, it's just bad timing and, and, and they would have a hard time, you know, surviving and certainly thriving, you know, it, with that type of a situation. Definitely. So as you went from being a university student to now a full-time value creator, really crushing it in the full-time world, what did you need to change about yourself, Jordan? Uh, that's a great question. I uh, I think I had to just be real with myself, you know, about what I actually wanted. Um, okay. You know, in high school and, and university, I was I was very lazy. Um, okay. But, but in a good way, you know, I I, I learned how to be good at school mm-hmm. so that I could you know do well with like the least amount of effort. But right. I, I spent my free time, I think, um, you know, doing things that weren't important, like watching TV or watching movies and just, you know, not stuff. Whereas as I've gotten older, I've really been able to put, I think, my relationships with people and my significant other, you know, ahead of things, my health, right. you know, ahead of things, um, you know, and then even more time into my business and my work as I've become, you know, more fully aware of like what I want in life. And, and I think that that's kind of just... I had to be real and, and kind of think long-term, like, what do I want my life to look like and how am I going to accomplish that? Whereas, you know, in high school and university, I think I was just going through the motions of I'm in university. It's okay to not know what I want. You know, I can just put a little dabble here, dabble there and, you know, and see what happens. And, you know, when I'm older, it'll all make sense. But, you know, I think if you, as you get older, you start to realize no one has it figured out and you do need to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. One of the other things I sense, I sense about you, I don't know if it's true, Jordan, but my sense is, is you'll do a lot more for other people than you will for yourself. 
And so that what I sense about you is, is that you are so much about your people and about making a difference for others. And, um, you know, if it was just about Jordan and doing it, cause that's what, when, when you're running your own business, it really is about me and I'm, I, I, I'm topping off. I got, I got 200 K worth of business. That's good. I'm making good money. I'm fine. I got a house. I'm making progress, but all of a sudden there's no top for what you're willing to create as a DM because it's, you're actually serving others. Is it, would that be accurate? Yeah, no, I, uh, I felt just this new calling when I became a DM and it was just so easy to get, you know, just submerged into everyone else's business and just absolutely love it. You know, whereas you're right yeah. for myself, it was just, uh, I'll do what's enough, you know, and yeah. there was no massive drive or ambition, but I think this year has been more or less the first year where I've really started to put myself not first, but I, I've, I've, I've taken myself up a notch to, to be maybe equal to the business um, because I've also kind of a little bit had this awareness where I realized that I need to practice what I preach and I do need to, you know, if I can be healthy and work out regularly and eat better and be awesome in my relationships that I'll also, you know, now be a, a, a even better role model to the people that may be looking up to me and that it's not just about business. You, you know, you can have everything. You just need to a good balance and prioritize and, and then kind of work on it. Yeah. And set standards that it matters, mm -hmm. you know, like that, you know, one of the reasons why we don't get what we want is because we actually don't determine what we want and yeah. then go after it. Right. So it's like, no, this matters to me. Let's go do that. Awesome. So what key habits would someone want to steal from you, Jordan? Uh, I think big ones would be, you know, practical priorities, Okay. Um, and, and time management, you know, I think I'm great at understanding where to focus my efforts, you know, and again, okay. what to learn so I can make the most of my time and kind of going back to that laziness aspect. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm either quite lazy or in reality, it's kind of like a, a work smart, not hard mentality. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, and I think that I'm, I'm very good with time management, you know, scheduling everything and understanding maybe how long something should take so that I can accurately stick to my schedule and get the most done. Right. So, you know, we all have the same amount of time in a day. We just don't always use it wisely. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs have what you're describing. Like they're, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, my entrepreneurial friends, no, I'm not, I don't really quote unquote work so hard. I, I, I actually am just trying to work as little as possible. You know, now a lot of times they don't look like they're that successful at that. You don't look like you're that successful, but, but again, being very, you know, what levers am I going to push? What am I going to go do? You know? So it's, 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 and you know, you know, obviously we all have 24 hours a day and how we use it, you know, and getting really good at using it is really powerful for sure. Definitely. So before my last question, is there anything you'd like to share? Anything, any other nuggets for us, Jordan? Uh, no, no. I think that I think we touched on a lot of stuff, which is great. I think we did. No, this was this was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. And so my final question: When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind, Jordan? I think a leader of tomorrow is is someone who has just an amazing sense of awareness. You know, they understand other people, understand the world that we live in. You know, they get what's happened in the past, you know, who's been wrong, what wrongdoing has been done, and they focus on, you know, fixing things and kind of steering the ship as a whole, you know, to, to new heights. They, they consider everyone uh, and not just like a certain group, uh, and they yeah. empower all of these people to, you know, kind of see their vision and, and buy into it, you know, and just want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really is interesting, you know, just to, that awareness, that environment, uh, you know, like, like, I think the world is getting more and more 
concerned with everything and everyone and all points of view. And I'm, and there's a lot of people, especially my age and older, who get really frustrated by that. Oh my God. Well, what do you mean? Oh my God. Like, why shouldn't it like that? You know, that's, that's okay. Someone's feelings are hurt. If you say it that way, or someone's feelings are hurt if this, or, or is that really the best way to do it? Is that really the fairest way to do it? No, you're right. And just, just that sense of leadership that is just really, really inclusive. Yeah. And diverse and 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 powerful um, is is so great and and um, you know you, you you know it's it really is for sure the future right it, it's for sure the future and and uh, for people who are kind of resisting it or not getting it or not seeing it no it's just again it's that that you know inclusivity awareness is just makes such a huge huge difference yeah yeah I think it's just easier to get information you know now yes that. It is brought to everyone's attention and people, you know, more people are having that awareness, right? So it's just the, you know, from, from older generations or, or just back in the day, it wasn't, you know, you just couldn't see what was outside of your circle. And now that everyone is just this big melting pot and everyone's connected, it's, uh, it's just a lot easier to, yeah. to be aware. No, I think that's awesome. Well, well, Jordan, I'm really, really happy that you spent some time in, in your busy, busy schedule, as we said, so I can tell I'm important to you because you made time. I was a practical priority. So thank you for being a practical priority for me. Yeah, you were for me as well and our, and our amazing le- leaders listening. So, so have yourself a fantastic day. And, uh, and, and again, thanks, thanks again so much. Perfect. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.